What's up, guys? It is Picone, Michael Hunter, on Twitter as ACCBR1. Coming at you. Night before the big game starts, ACC Network for basketball season kicks off tomorrow night with four games. <clears throat> Five games the night's following. Not all games broadcast on ACC Network. Some will be on ESPNU, others on ESPN, which will be the Duke-Kansas game. Today what I got for you is uh, we went three wide with Charlie and Kinchin with some off-air input from the chimp, our boy, the glue guy, uh, spent the weekend down at Florida State with the Seminole basketball team, came back with some good stuff. So shout-out to him. He did not make an appearance. He will make an appearance soon. We are working out the kinks. Uh, a little late with the lines coming out, <clears throat> which is kind of a difficult thing when you're talking about college basketball. Lines usually come out the night before or first thing in the morning, the day of the game. So... It always makes it a little bit difficult to put on a gambling show. But what we might do is, from now on, we'll just use Ken Palm, and we'll get the chimp on here to give some of his gambling expertise. Uh, News, notes, injuries. Duke continues to suck up talent, man. Unreal. Six top 40 guys in the 2020 class this week. They signed Mark Williams, who is a seven-foot behemoth. Um, I... I, I just I don't know how they do it. Um, they also signed another kid today, um, Archie <laughs> Archie Miller. No, it's not Archie Miller. I, I forget the kid's last name. He's a four-star kid for the 2021 class. Have yet to watch much on him. Don't know a whole lot about him. I will check it out. I will get back to you. Uh, other commitments this week. Tristan Maxwell, son of former Houston Rocket Vernon Maxwell, Mad Max, has... Uh, Committed to the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Three-star kid, kind of a small combo guard, probably 6'3", 190, 175 to 190, somewhere in that range. And, you know, I didn't really think a whole lot about it because, honestly, I didn't think they would land him when he started uh, showing interest. But, by all accounts, this kid is a prolific scorer. So, something that Georgia Tech desperately is going to need in the future, especially when we start talking about Alvarado um, being a junior this year and the real possibility of Michael DeVoe being an early entry guy similar to the way Josh Kogi was if he plays very well as a sophomore, which I'm sort of anticipating. <clears throat> and the guy's just a knockdown shooter. So <clears throat> anyway... Uh, injury news, some injuries that we may not have known about. Sterling Manley, injured for UNC, didn't play in their exhibition game. Darian Sebron for NC State, injured, did not play. Kinchin also revealing in this uh, uh, podcast that Jericho Helms, Helms, however you want to say it, is also a little bit dinged up. Blake Harris has left NC State, so he won't be playing in, off the bench in the NC State backcourt. And DJ Funderburk, it was released today that he will not be playing in the Georgia Tech game tomorrow. Uh, anything else? Nothing that I can really think of. We went very long on this podcast, so I'm going to skip out on kind of the rundown. And we're just going to get right into it. This is me with ACCBR contributors, uh, Charlie Monolakis, Kinchin Taylor, with a big fat assist from the chimp. I hope you enjoy. I hope you guys enjoy the games tomorrow night, depending on how everything goes, depending on how I'm feeling. When at the conclusion of the NC State Georgia Tech game, I may jump on and give you a little review of what I saw in those games. I am hoping to watch all of them. Hope you guys have a great night and enjoy the games this week. Let it. Seconds to play. Down the floor. A Kogi. He 
Welcome to the preview episode for the 2019-20 ACC basketball season. I am Michael Hunter at ACCBR1. I got the boys. They're back in town. Kinchin Taylor, Charlie Monolakis, ACC basketball report contributors. Fellas, how's it going? Going pretty good. How about you guys? So it's great to be back. I'm excited to have some real basketball to watch. Right. And to kick things off. We'll do that with a frosty cold yingling. And uh, we had uh, an interesting opportunity this week, um, not us specifically, but ACC Basketball Report. Our, uh, our colleague, the chimp, was able to spend a weekend with the Florida State basketball team. Uh, got to meet Coach Carlton Young, got to hang out with uh, the dance team. And, uh, you know, we saw some photographic evidence, even though we still don't actually know his, his real identity. Um, he was uh, kind enough to give us a bit of a scouting report on what he saw with Florida State in their exhibition. And it wasn't, it wasn't all good, I guess, is what I kind of came away with. Um, obviously, Trent Forrest is going to be a steady hand there. He didn't say anything about MJ Walker, but he did say that, you know, Nathaniel Jack who's going to fill that P.J. Savoy role, not as good a shooter as Savoy. And and the chimp said specifically that while they're going to be good, especially Patrick Williams, who's off the charts, athletic, and, 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 and going to be a really good player as a freshman, you know, Florida State's not without, without its flaws. They have been in the top 25 in, in some polls around the country. But it brought something to our attention after I've watched a couple exhibition games, uh, we heard about the Louisville uh, game with Bellarmine. Um, we heard about the, you know the Duke exhibition, fellas. Uh, even the top teams in this league have some serious flaws, and I, I think that you know we'd be remiss not to talk about them. I guess I'll go to K first. You know, NC State picked as high as fourth. Some te- some people have them missing the tournament. There, there's some holes in the roster. There's some holes in the front court. What's, uh, what's, what's one of the biggest flaws you're seeing with your alma mater? Well, first, before I get into that, let me just say that the emoji placement that <laughs> Chimps sent us those pictures were 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 superb. I got to give it to them. Yes. But, uh, so the flaws. One of the things I think that's the biggest heading into the season and kind of stuff that happened last year because they returned so much. So you would think that the uh, the inconsistencies you see on the offensive end, where they would score, you know, in great spurts, but then they would go, you know, eight to ten minutes without even making a basket or missing a bunch of free throws. But I think now it's more like the injuries are piling up. Yeah, you know, that's that's going to be the biggest flaw, I guess, that the pack will have heading into this season. So you look back at the exhibition game. Uh, as soon as I walked in, you know, they were sh- shooting around, and Darian Seaborn was in a walking boot oh. and in street clothes. Yeah. So I knew from the get-go that he wasn't going to play. Is this the Mount Olive game? Okay. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Mount Olive scrimmage. Um, so I knew from the get-go that he was going to be out. And... Uh, the way Keats was talking in the post-game press conference, he didn't really give him a timetable, but with a walking boot, uh, I don't expect to see him tomorrow night 
against Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. The next big injury was Jericho Helms. So Jericho started, played really great, had a lot of good drives to the baskets, didn't make a lot of the baskets to start with, but he was you know, pretty much everywhere on defensive end as well. And somehow he either banged his shoulder into somebody or got twisted up on a on diving for the ball. Either way, he had an ice pack or a heating pack of some sort on his shoulder for the rest of the game. Didn't even play in the second half. So he's pretty much questionable, I would say. Those are the two like major, quote-unquote, major injuries so far for the pack. Uh, Braxton Beverly had a knee brace on, played maybe seven or eight minutes in the scrimmage against Mount Olive. You know, but today when he talked to the media, he confirmed that he's playing, he's okay, he's good to go. Uh, Danny Dixon, the transfer from UMKC, uh, he had some sort of foot injury that I, I didn't know about until I heard Keats talk about it in post game. But he said that's pretty much just precautionary. He also only played about seven or eight, and did play at all in the second half of the scrimmage, which didn't really need to because the pack won by forty. But uh, that's pretty much the biggest flaws. You know, just it's already a pretty deep team to begin with. But once these injuries start piling up, you know, a lot of guys are going to keep instead of playing twenty minutes a game, they're going to be playing close to thirty minutes a game, and that. You know, that creates, once again, the inconsistencies on the offensive end. So, for those of you keeping score at home, uh, Kevin Keats has confirmed <laughs> that DJ Funderburk will not play tomorrow night um, in his press conference either yesterday or today. <clears throat> um, Blake Harris has left the program because that's what Blake Harris does. He leaves programs and leaves high schools. So this is going to be between high school and college Wherever he ends up, I believe, is going to be his ninth school since he was a freshman in high yeah. school. Um, That's right. It was like five or six high schools in the span of five years. Yeah. And then he committed slash decommitted to Washington. Washington. That's right. And then he went to Missouri for basically a cup of coffee, if you will. And then he was at state for a year. And now he has two years of eligibility to play pretty much wherever he wants. But he's, he's not going to be, he's going to have to burn one of those years. So basically, he's going to be. Sure? He, yeah, I believe so. Because, I, I believe that's what I read. Uh, well, because what I read, since technically he's a junior, he he has two years of eligibility left. That's what I read. Right, but he he already burned a red shirt by going from Mizzou to NC State, correct? But but he got the uh, the waiver to play. Did he? Last okay, year. Right. He was supposed to. Yeah, he was supposed to. Play, he was supposed to sit out just the first semester and come in. You know the. the winter or spring semester last year, but he got the waiver and played all of last year. All right. So either way, Harris is no longer with NC State. Now Seabrin's in a walking boot. Um, and and Helms, we don't really know the situation. So 13 guys on roster, you know, four potential losses and injury. You're down to nine scholarship players. That, you know, Manny Bates coming off a serious shoulder injury is going to be his first game in a college uniform. You know, injuries, we're going to talk about some spreads and some picks here in a little bit, but injuries also something that I, we heard um, by my colleague at Bustin Brackets was are affecting North Carolina as Jeremiah Francis, Anthony Harris, and Sterling Manley, I believe, all sat out the North Carolina scrimmage. 
to me, the manly injury is the biggest because I'm not completely sold on Armando Baycott. I think he has huge upside. Charlie, talk to me about your alma mater in Chapel Hill. Yeah, injuries are, are piling up fast. And the other one, those three all sat out, which is, is a big deal. And I think even those, I think even Harris and Francis were guys who were, who were at least going to contribute spot minutes and have a, have a chance to develop in some of these early games. So that, we'll see what the impact of that is down the road. But the other injury that happened during the exhibition game was to Brandon Robinson as well, mm-hmm. the only senior on the roster, or the only the only senior expected to start. And a uh, guy who was looking after after three years of sitting behind a whole bunch of talented guys who come in and out to to really step into a major role this year. I was a 3 and D sort of guy on the wing. And so sounds like the x-rays came back negative. What was it? So it's been Charles? it's been it's been ruled a sprain, okay. sprained ankle, which I haven't they haven't said, at least that I've seen an exact timetable, but those are usually at least a good month, month and a half to resolve. So hopefully be back on the early side of December rather than late. But injury is definitely going to be important to track with Carolina. So the the biggest question coming into the year wasn't necess- wasn't going to be the depth. It wasn't going to be it wasn't assumed to be a question of talent. It was a lot of it was going to be fit mm-hmm. with. So much turnover from the year before. Played with the three seniors, Kenny Williams, Luke May, Cam Johnson. On top of Nasir Little and Kobe White, both being drafted. And that's five-year top six guys by minutes, points, probably rebounds and about everything else. They were everywhere last year. So plenty of guys coming in. It was looking like it was going to be an eight or so man rotation with another four or five guys. We were kind of talking about Anthony Harris, Jeremiah Francis filling in spot minutes. But suddenly those eight are really down to six. You're looking at, looking at a starting five Wednesday night is likely going to be Cole Anthony, Christian Keeling, the grad transfer from Georgia Southern, Leaky Black, Garrison Brooks, and Armando Baycott with Justin Pierce kind of being the sixth guy in that six guy left standing of those original eight which i would have included brand robinson and sterling manley both and we'll certainly be looking for them to come back but with those guys out right now all of a sudden justin pierce really becomes the key to making this thing work and keeping us afloat in the short term until we get those guys back yeah, and and of, of he, the two he's transfers, the he's the one I have the most question about. I think. Um, yeah, me too. You know, William and Mary to UNC is a, is a long way. That's a big jump, and I mean, he's a talented kid. He's a coach's kid, but you know, do you think do you think you might get some quality minutes out of Brandon Huffman in the front court? I think we're I think we're probably going to need it. Yeah, I think so and too. Potentially just... from from Andrew Playtech as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the at the guard spot, that. just in terms of kind of rounding out. I mean, if you're if you're trying to play six guys in five spots, that's that's <laughs> with pretty a, heavy to be starting off the year with an up tempo so offense. I think you're going to see a pretty healthy dose of uh, pretty healthy dose of all three of those guys. Obviously, uh, obviously Pierce, but uh, Huffman. 
<laughs> what, what's your uh, what's your comfortable tech. what's your comfortability level with with Brandon Huffman being on the court right now? I've been, I was kind of was and still am sort of quietly optimistic for him coming into this year. Yeah, certainly you know, proven to be the the third piece of those three three big guys that all came in in that class with Garrison Brooks and Sterling Manley. But his has developed well, has been has been putting in the work, played played good spot minutes for us last year, and I think is set to finish his career kind of given almost Joel James sort of quality come in not for not for a ton of minutes, but just give you good defense, maybe grab a few offense rebounds, put it back for a dunk or two. I mean he's he's a huge kid, shots, so it just yeah. I mean Roy, Roy Williams calls him the best the best player in the country within two feet of the basket. <laughs> One of those guys. <laughs> he 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 lives for those plays at the rim, whether he's whether he's dunking it or trying to swat it as far into the stands as he can. All right. Um, <laughs> well, actually, you know, it, can I get a question? Can I get a question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, what, what is what is your uh, uh, for Andrew Playtech? Are you really nervous that he's going to be on the court a long time? Because honestly, I think he's stealing the scholarship. Because he's what a junior now. Like you could have had somebody else come in. Because he's pretty much just a walk on, in my opinion. He is, and it's, it'll be interesting to see this year because he, Roy Williams played him a lot as a freshman, mm-hmm. and he wasn't always super consistent, but showed pretty well in those minutes. You know, knocked down a couple shots, had some had some lapses defensively, but overall gave gave solid minutes coming in for a few off the bench on the defensive end too. Last year was a little bit more of a struggle, and kind of the defensive holes showed. So I don't know if that was teams having more film or or what it was kind of going on, but, but we're going to need him to, we're going to need him to dial in and give us some good minutes. Cause like you said, we're going to need it. And I think beyond those three, especially in kind of, once you get past the Notre Dame game, you know, some of the games coming up before you hit December, which is a brutal stretch, but you've got a few games where I think you're even going to see some of the guys coming in behind them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see Caleb Ellis come in. Sure. For, for some Stillman White minutes and Walker Miller, kind of in addition to maybe spell Brandon Huffman for a minute or two, you know, and and if, so it's so go it's going to be this month of November until we start getting some of those guys back, and I think all four are going to be important. All four of the guys we're at right now, but we're going to be seeing seeing a lot of new faces, even beyond the, the new ones we were expecting to see. Yeah, and it's been a concern of mine for North Carolina as far as. Who actually is going to, I mean, there's talent on this team. You know, Brandon Robinson's a four-star guy. Uh, Christian Keeling is a guy who's scored almost 20 points a game. Justin Pierce has scored almost 20 points a game. There's talent there. You know, Leaky Black was a guy who showed tremendous upside last year, albeit in a small sample size. But none of these guys have ever been the man on the wing. Um, either that or haven't played a lot of minutes or come from a small school where the competition wasn't as good as it's going to be. Um, talking about Playtech real quick, I mean... He, the kid's appeared in 67 games over the course of his career. He's not um, exactly like a new fit, almost eight minutes per game as a freshman. Shot 37% from behind the arc. So, again, small sample size, 10 of 27 overall. But, I mean, he's been on the floor. He's an upperclassman at this point. He's gone against, you know, some of the best teams in the country every day in practice. So, if, if any contribution they get from him is obviously a great thing. But, you know, you'd rather see, obviously... Robinson, 
even at you know 80% be out on the court, I think, than him. I think the more that this stuff piles up, the more Cole Anthony's going to call his own number, maybe. And Christian Keeling, it becomes paramount that he starts making some shots. Um, <clears throat> one team that I have you know been high on in the offseason and have watched their two exhibition games is Notre Dame. And what, I, what I've seen in their exhibition games is exactly what I've seen in the past 18 months, basically, is they cannot shoot the basketball. It is... I, I don't know what the overall stats were for the Capital game. I think John Mooney hit one, and I think they went one for 12. So I'm, I'm starting oh to... You know, you know, that was just the first half, I believe. They got a little bit better in the second half. Dane Goodwin looked okay. Um, Rex Fluger was on a minute's restriction, so he's not all the way back. TJ Gibbs uh, is not good. Prentice Hobbs still can't shoot. Uh, takes care of the ball, but you got to be able to score the basketball. I think they could be one of the best defensive teams that Notre Dame's had in the past few years, but they they don't. They're going to have trouble scoring the ball, and I really I'm, I'm trying to to step back on the expectations that I've set for the Irish pretty quickly. Now that said. They'll probably come out on the court in the first game and drop 94 on whoever they're playing. But it's North Carolina on Friday night, I believe. Thursday night, Friday night. No, Wednesday night. Um, yeah. So, yeah. is that get, that game's in Chapel Hill? Yeah, there's a real chance that Notre Dame comes out in Chapel Hill and just gets blitzed by Carolina and Cole Anthony. I, I could really see that after watching these two exhibition games. Um, I'll go back to Kinchin. Louisville is kind of suffering through the same preseason woes as your Wolfpack with injuries. Malik Williams out with a with a foot injury. Uh, David Johnson out with a shoulder. What's uh, you know Louisville? We always have questions as far as you know their point guard play. Some of the Louisville fans talking about Fresh Kimball is looking like kind of a deer in headlights kind of guy. What are your What are your early thoughts on what could go wrong in uh, in Central Kentucky? That's a good question. Uh, I really don't know. Like, I honestly thought that they weren't going to be this bad. I mean, do you think it's kind of a little bit of the, you know, everybody's talking about them being the darlings of the ACC this year. Jordan Norwood got the preseason player of the year. And uh, it's just a lot of just, a lot of things, you know, going their way, just talking good about them. And it's kind of like, all right, well, we have this expectation and you know, we're just not living up to it yet. You know, and we're, the limelight might be getting too big for them already. <laughs> uh, there, you know, the one guy I thought that played really well towards the end of last season was War. I thought he, even after the Duke game and the Clemson game. Oh, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal play. It was. I thought he was going to get drafted. Yeah, I, you know, I was really surprised. I thought he was a back-end first-rounder. I thought he was one of those guys, like a, like a Danny Green from North Carolina, that was a really good college player that's going to end up in a good situation in the NBA. And, you know, War is obviously more athletic than Green, but he's, you know, a big kid that can shoot the basketball. Um, I was I was surprised when he came back, but I'm glad he did because I like watching him play and I don't watch much of the NBA. Um, I... <sighs> You know, I I wanted to like Fresh Kimball more than Kristen Cunningham, who I thought played over his head a little bit last year. Um, Samuel Williamson's obviously an upgrade over Quan Four, 
who I you know I still think Wara Williamson uh, Enoch I think is an underrated player and obviously everybody loves Dwayne Sutton who makes winning plays. I don't know where the you know point guard play in college is always the most important thing and it's just shaky with the injury. You know you're left with Darius Perry after. You know, Lamar Kimball, if he can't get it done at this level, you know, if he can't shoot the ball, if he can't distribute the ball, or if he can't put his teammates in a position to win, you know, it's it's a it's a large concern. So I think that's that's kind of what can go wrong. Um, we're going to have to wait and see. I think one of the most intriguing games of opening night in the ACC, well, in the country really, is Louisville going on the road at, on the first game of the season to play a conference road game in Coral Gables. With a Miami team who's, uh, I think, better than people anticipate, but we're going to find out, I guess, to see if they can protect home court. The spread is about seven and a half. Um, you know, we're going to find out what Louisville's made of right off the bat because, I, I, you know, Williams isn't going to play. Johnson's not going to play. We're going to see how Kimball plays on the road. Welcome to the ACC. Here's Chris Likes. Um, Miami looked good. Miami looked good in their ex- exhibition game. We've been talking about how people have been looking bad and everything in their exhibition games so far, but Miami looked really good, supposedly. I didn't watch it, but just reading these things, they it, said that uh, a lot of the guys did really well. I I also have not watched it. I've also heard the same thing. Harlan Beverly played really well, who is you know a guy that people are starting to talk about a little bit. I was big on Isaiah Wong, but I also heard the same thing, that Miami's played really well in their exhibition games. One team that did not play well in their first exhibition game, and it's kind of the same old story, is the Duke Blue Devils, who I don't know what Coach K has against Joey Baker, but, <laughs> you know, Duke goes, you know, in the first game, I can't I remember who they played, but uh, 2 of 16 from deep is the number I heard. Joey Baker plays four minutes. Charlie, what, what's what's going on? What's going on in your uh, in your alma mater's arch nemesis? What's what's up in, in Durham? Yeah, and I'm I'm interested too to hear you guys' thoughts on, on Duke as well because I know I'm pretty sure, or at least looking at our power rankings, I'm lower on them overall than the two mm-hmm. of you. And I, obviously, the, we put those out before. Before they played, was it Northwest Missouri? State? Yes. Yep. Yep. Before, before their, before either their exhibition games. So, um, certainly going to be interested interested to see how they start once the real games start. No, that's against Kansas tomorrow night. The yeah. Teams, but um, but no. What's what's interesting to me about this Duke team is I think I think everybody's gotten caught in, in a little bit of. Kind of the same pattern of oh, bring in, bring in a top three recruiting class, challenge for the ACC, finish near the top, win the tournament, top seed, make a good run, rinse repeat. Mm-hmm. It's kind of been the pattern the last couple of years, and so people, I think this year, see so, you another know, what were the, the number the number two or three class this year, right? Duke. Duke. Yeah, you I know? think so. I think Kentucky got the number one this they year. Were, it's either yeah, they've been least, one and two. Every year for the last, yeah, at least, years. yeah, at least up at the top. I mean, tons of talent coming in, no question there. Going to be a very good team, but to me, to me, it feels a little more like they did in 2016, when you still had, still had a lot of pieces, a lot of pieces coming in, ton of talent on that team. That was Brandon Ingram, Grayson Allen was still playing there. Mm-hmm. 
pretty sure a young Kennard probably still had a Plumlee because I've always had a Plumlee. Right. But, I mean, still, by all accounts, a good team. I know beat North Carolina at least once because I was at that game and didn't leave particularly happy about it. <laughs> um, but, no, I just I don't see them having the same, the same high floor this year as they have had in years past. I don't think they fall past – uh, they certainly don't fall past fourth or fifth in the league. No. They won't fall past a four or five seed in the tournament, but I could see them falling in that range and maybe this is more of a over sweet sixteen kind of year. I'm just I'm just really interested to see how the pieces fit. Because I, I don't necessarily know that, that their best offensive players are also going to be their best defensive players. And maybe that's part of the challenge with Jerry Baker. Maybe Kay just doesn't trust him defensively. And I <clears throat> I won't pretend to have watched all their practices or even enough film on him to, to know that, but I think that's going to be a challenge, and that's probably what I'm most interested to see with this Duke team this year is, unlike the group last year where you just roll out, you're, you're going to be playing Zion, RJ, Cam Reddish the whole game. They're both phenomenal on both ends of the floor. I think this is more of a more of a challenge for Kay in terms of mixing and matching, finding the right matchups within games, making adjustments. And it's it's going to be the answer to the, the question a lot of people were starting to ask when, when they lost to Michigan State last year. And is, is Coach K really still coaching? <laughs> and I mean, of course, I'm the of course, I'm the Carolina guy throwing that question out there. But well, I think but I'm, it's a- I'm interested to see because it, it gives him the chance to put that to rest, too. No, I, I completely agree, and I think it's a fair question because, you know, how much – he obviously he, – he's done some coaching in the past couple of years. When they had uh, Bagley and Carter, you know, they played kind of the two-big-guy two high-low game. Um, they went from man-to-man to zone, became one of the best defensive teams in the country during that stretch. So, I mean, he's doing, you know – Things he might be looking at at things from the five thousand foot view instead of the five hundred foot view at this point, but um, you know he's he he's adapting when he needs to adapt. You know, it became paramount. Duke was terrible on defense during that Bagley Carter season, and he went to a two three zone, and they became dominant on the defensive end. Um, mm-hmm. The difference between this year's Duke team and last year's Duke team for me is. None of their none of their incoming guys are able to erase other players' mistakes the way that Barrett and Zion were able to. You know, it's you know, you, you can you can be a flawed team when you have two guys that are gonna score twenty three points a game and make unreal plays on both ends of the floor, take over games. You know, Cam Reddish is gonna hit, you know, one out of five threes, but it's probably gonna be uh, you know, a big one. And this year, you know, Stanley can't shoot. Um, Alex O'Connell, for the most part, hasn't played good defense since he's been on, on campus. You know, Vernon Carey is going to get points, going to get rebounds by the truckload. Matthew Hurt's going to shoot it a little bit. I'm kind of interested. I saw a lot of high post stuff, I think, in the exhibition game, which was interesting. Um Coach K, reluctant to play Joey Baker for whatever reason. Um, I think you're on the right track with the defense, though. I haven't obviously you know, watched a lot of film because there's not a lot of film to be watched as to what his defensive acumen is. Wendell Moore is more of a slashing guy, not really um, 
known as a as a high volume outside shooter. So, you know, try and Trey Jones, you know, we all know it's been pounded to death in the offseason. So if this team can't shoot, can't stretch the floor, and they just become a pounded inside to Vernon Carey Jr. and let him go against a double and triple team, I, I could see Duke being like a top ten team as opposed to a top four team over the course of the season. And, you know, maybe a three or four seed in the tournament. I think there's a lot of parity this year, and we say that every year. It's become almost cliche. But this year, basically once you get to the top seven or eight teams in the top 25, you can draw the rest out of a hat and still be pretty accurate. Um, we're going to move on to Virginia real quick. Yeah. Can I add one more quick thing? Yeah. Speaking of Trey Jones, actually. Yep. I do think, and especially when I pipe in for as much as I just, <laughs> just threw up maybe on – on Duke's downside, I think people are forgetting how how much Trey Jones does have to offer on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think I think as poorly as he ended up shooting the ball, and surely he's gonna he's gonna bounce back up from twenty five percent. Even if he could knock down thirty, that becomes more of a factor. But yep. Yep. but I remember watching the end of that Texas Tech game in December, and for for as great as. Zion and RJ were carrying the load pretty much the rest of the way that year, with the exception of he did. Uh, Trey actually did, I think, knock down four or five threes in the Virginia Tech game in the tournament. But he he took over and hit a couple of really pretty floaters at the end of that Texas Tech game and got them a couple of the biggest buckets down the stretch. Yep. So he's he's got that in his game. So I think my my reservations with Duke are more you know, a question of the other pieces. I think I'm. I think I may be a little higher on Trey Jones than than most of what, what we've been hearing, but probably a little lower on the rest of the roster. Yeah, I think that's... I, mean, I don't think he's going to be really, really good. Go ahead, Kay. I, I, don't, I just don't see him giving you 20-plus points a night. No. I mean, I think... I'm. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to improve his three-point shooting and be a little bit more consistent with it, but I, I just can't... I, I just I see him more just passing, passing it off to hurt and everyone else, and Vernon Carey, and all them, score. He's still going to score, you know, in the in the in the double digits. I just don't see him scoring twenty. It's probably going to come back to haunt me saying that, but, <laughs> but I just don't see it. I think you're going to see an increase. I think he was what nine, nine, five, and four and a half, something like that last year. He, I mean, he overall, he's a obviously a great player on the floor. I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, twelve and a half, thirteen points a game with five assists and three or four rebounds. You know, I think that's kind that's of where, where we're looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and I think those numbers are going to be good enough on a top seven or eight team at, at least, I think. And that's going to get him in uh, ACC Player of the Year talk. That's going to get him in National All-American team talk. Um, if he gets up over 31 32% from deep, then he becomes a player that most, you know, defenses are going to have to respect. And that could change. That could change everything, especially for a guy like Vernon Carey, who, if if you can get one on one situations on the block for Vernon Carey, Vernon Carey is going to eat all night long. So, um, I, I do. I think that's a good point. I think I'm in the same boat. Like we talk, we we sometimes we find a point that being his outside shooting, and we kind of hammer on it. I don't want anybody to be confused. Trey Jones is a really good player. Um, number three in ACCBR returning players for the season. You know, I just, one of the biggest question marks is going to be one of the most impactful, you know, 
things regarding Duke's success this season, and that's going to be Trey Jones being able to shoot the ball at a respectable level and how that's going to impact his teammates. Uh, Moving on to the defending national champions, the Virginia Cavaliers. Did you guys actually catch that movie on ACC Network the other night? I did not. I've been trying to find it on demand, and I cannot find it. No, I'm looking forward to it. I heard... Saw nothing but great reactions to it. Granted, after that was from uh, right, Tony Bennett on Twitter, and <laughs> and all, all the guys you know are gonna gonna love it regardless. But but no, definitely no, look forward uh, to catching that eventually. Yeah, I did not catch it either. And uh, so the Virginia fans are all gonna be like, "Oh, geez, of course these guys didn't watch it." <laughs> I, you know, I think, well, <laughs> I wanted to watch it, but, uh, you know, hey, I got to get up at 4 o'clock, walk the dog, and go to work. So I'm not going to be up till 11 o'clock on whatever night watching a movie. So um, they open with, you know, a tough a tough road game, going up to the Carrier Dome, into Syracuse. Um, they've got a lot of things they need to prove, I think. There's no doubt in my mind that they're going to be one of the best defensive teams in the country. They have plus defenders all over the place with Diakite in the bucket, Kia Clark on the perimeter. Braxton Key is a plus defender. Casey Morsell has the the reputation and the pedigree as being a really good defender, even though he's a freshman. When we actually did the voting um, for the preseason awards and, and the teams, Diakite didn't receive a vote for uh, ACC Defensive player of the year. However, at this point, you know, I picked Trent Forrest because I kind of went out on a limb for that. I, that's something I tend to do from time to time. But I, I think Diakite is the obvious choice for, for defensive player of the year. But I, I, I like to believe that Trent Forrest can lead that Florida State team. When you guys look at Virginia, Kinch, and I'll go to you first. First, what do you think of Virginia on the road at Syracuse for the first game of the season in a conference road game? And to what what are you expecting from these guys this year? I've come to never doubt anything Tony Bennett ever does. Because <laughs> if he took a team that lost to a 16 seed last year, the first time it's ever happened, and turned it around and made the national championship game and won it. I can't – you just can't. You just can't. <laughs> you know? But heading into this, they lost a lot. And there's got a lot of be a lot of guys to step up. Will they step up? Tony Bennett's still the coach, which last I checked, he still is. I think that they can. It's going to be a tough road because I think Syracuse is actually a little bit better than a lot of people think they're going to be. Um, I'm starting to slowly talk myself into it. I really like the, the freshman that Syracuse has got, the Joe Girard the third. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, I really like his game. And uh, I think he's gonna. I think a lot of the, the Syracuse is gonna give them trouble to start with, but eventually Virginia is gonna win. Um, I, I, y'all are talking about how Virginia is gonna kind of fall off this year. I, I don't believe that's gonna happen. Kihei Clark and Diakite, and I believe Jay Huff. I really like Jay Huff's game, and I'm not just do, saying that because he's a Durham native. But I really think those three are going to be like the, like I guess the the anti big three from last year of Ty Jerome, Cal Guy, and uh, DeAndre Hunter, maybe. But uh, that's pretty much where I'm thinking at with Virginia right now. Charlie, you got anything to add? Yeah, I am 
I'm with you on the positivity, and there are a lot of questions, obviously, but I was walking through all the questions I have, even from the perspective of a fan and an alum for North Carolina, and kind of the same we're talking through with Duke, and I think kind of we've we're obviously long past the point where kind of the perspective of reloading versus rebuilding that UNC and Duke have established, long since established over the years, Roy Williams, Coach K, and I think it's about time Tony Bennett's earned that benefit of the doubt too. They they do. They might not have quite the same depth as some of the other teams up at the top of the league when you look top to bottom on the roster, but I do think they have some interesting pieces, some talented pieces. It's going to be a totally different balance this year where last year was was so much of their scoring from the from the guards and Hunter on the wing. And this year I I do think it's going to be the big guys, Dikite and, like you said, Kinchin, Huff, both. I think they're going to be huge. I think the ability of Morcel and uh, – is it Wolden Tensei? Thomas Wolden Tensei? Wolden Tensei, yep. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The, nice, nicely done, by the way. First, first try, I like that. That's going to be yeah. so hard to spell. I'm just going to start calling him Tomas, and that's going to be about the end of that. Yeah. I, I think it was three-man weave. We're saying they hope he ends up just being a cold-blooded killer for Virginia so they can just call him Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> so credit to them for that. But, uh, but no, I think, he, I, think I saw it hit something like 47% of his threes last year. I was playing at Juco. is different than the ACC, but, right. but shooting certainly. I guess the three-point line is a little bit further, but it's not that much further. If the guy can shoot, the guy can shoot. I mean, the guy shot a hundred, you know, hundred for two hundred and ten last year in JUCO. Uh, you know, when you make a hundred threes and you shoot almost fifty percent from the floor, you can shoot it. That one, that twelve inches, isn't going to make a big difference. Oh yeah, no, he was almost ninety percent from the line too. <laughs> so yeah, the guy can just shoot the ball. So yeah, but I am interested to see how Tony Bennett puts it together because it's going to be it's going to look very different offensively than in the last couple of years. But they don't necessarily have that guard. Or those those multiple guards that are going to get you fifteen or so a night, even with a with a slower pace. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you know. It's it's. I, I try not to get too excited when talking to. I'm not going to say ill informed, but guys like us, we just we take kind of everything into account from all the teams in the conference. We're going to look at everything, okay? Some of these fans that, you're, that we talk to on Twitter, we don't know who we're talking to. Like, I don't know if this is a, a diehard Virginia fan or if this is a guy that actually knows basketball. And there is a difference. But I don't think some of these people on Twitter realize what it is as an expectation for someone like Casey Morsell to come in and think that he's going to get 14 a game. That's a, that's a tall order for not just for the way they play, but just because he's a freshman playing in the ACC. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they don't always come in here and score 14, 15 points a game. You know, RJ mm-hmm. Barrett and Zion Williamson scoring twenty three a game last year. Th- those guys are fucking unicorns. Okay, that shit doesn't happen all the time. Cam Reddish has unbelievable upside, and he struggled mightily for most of the season at Duke. He was the number whatever seven pick in the draft. I mean, it's just not its not plausible to think that just because he's the best recruit coming to your school that he's just going to go out and get you 14 a game like that's some piece of cake. I mean, they 
Diakite is going to be the focal point, I think, for that team. I think he's going to, you know, be a first, second team potential ACC, you know, all-conference team. But I think people need to come to pump the brakes on Marcel, who I think is a very good player. But, you know, when you're talking about him, you're talking about Walden Tensu or Tensei, he's still, I mean, he might be more college-ready than some of these other guys, but he's still a Juco guy. You know, we talk about how difficult it is for a guy like Justin Pierce to go from William & Mary to UNC. Well, this guy, this guy's going from Juco to, to Virginia, the national champion. So I, I just, you know, if, is he going to get 14, 15 a game? No, I think probably 7.5 to 8.5 is probably more likely. I just, I think that just because some people think that's my team, that people, in last year's results have almost nothing to do with this year's results. They're different players playing a different schedule, playing everything's just different. I don't I don't like that. I don't think there's any continuity to that. So Virginia fans, I think you dance. We all agree on that. They're a top five, top six team in the league, but it's it's not gonna be one of those thirty and three years. I think it might be one of those twenty two and nine years, something like that. Which is still a good year though. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Any year you dance is a good year. I mean you know, it's it's. I'm sure it's difficult to get excited for, you know, a five twelve game when you just played for the national one of the best national championship games in, God knows how long. But it is what it is. I mean, you can't win it every year. Um, what do you guys want to do? You want to make some picks? Let's do it. You guys want to pick straight up or against the spread? Oh, uh, I didn't write down the spread. That's all the. Oh, that's okay. Game. That's okay, young man. Yeah, let's just go straight up. I have this. I it's have the spreads right here. But anyway. Okay. I mean, I got them. If you want them, we'll, we can do it either way. I, I would pick winners, but I would like to hear the spread. All right. Yeah. Th- we can do that. All right. Tomorrow night, Tuesday night, kicking it off. Six thirty game, which I'm gonna unfortunately probably miss the start of because I'll be sitting in traffic on I forty. Thanks, Raleigh Construction. Um. Louisville goes to Coral Gables. Louisville comes in ranked number five in the country. Seven-point favorite for Louisville. Miami's uh, getting seven points at home. Let's start with you, Kinchin. What do you think, buddy? We talked about how Louisville has been struggling in the exhibition and everything and how great Miami is. I think this one's going to be close. But I think, honestly, if this game was played in January, I'd probably pick Miami. Woo. But since it's wow. the first, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going <laughs> out there. I like it. But, but uh, since, since it's being played in November, i got to go Louisville. All right. Let's, let's hold on. Louisville. Yeah, I'm keeping track just because why not. No, for sure. <laughs> All right, Kay, you got you got Louisville first. Yeah, yeah. All right, Charlie, what do you got, buddy? Yeah, you know we've been we've been talking about the struggles for for Louisville and some of the questions coming in. Uh, David Johnson's injury. Uh, I do really. I think Miami's kind of sneakily one of the more dangerous offensive teams. Just. All the shooting they've got, especially when Keith Stone comes back. If he comes but, back. Um, so it's it's interesting. My my worry with Miami, though, is on, on the defensive end, and especially against a team like Louisville with so many weapons. I think even with all the questions, some of the struggles we've seen, they 
they did turn it on at the end of that exhibition game. Granted, against competition that's not going to be as good as Miami. But I think Louisville rolls. I think maybe they start slow, but I don't. I think Wara, I think a combination of Wara and Williamson is something Miami's not going to have an answer for. I just seeing both of you guys go for Louisville makes me want to take Miami. I, you know, it's, that's just kind of my personality. I, you know, I love Chris Likes. I, I don't want to put too much faith in Wong or Beverly when I, before I've actually seen him play. Rodney Miller, uh, you know, I, I've read it all, seen it all. Not somebody I get really excited about. Sam Wardenberg is somebody that I, I can maybe get behind taking a leap. But I guess it kind of just comes down to Ken, Ken uh, Fresh Kimball stop Chris Likes and can Miami keep Chris Likes fresh for 40 minutes so he can actually finish the game um, with a high level of energy. I don't think so, and I don't think Miami has anybody that can match up to Louisville. Uh, yeah, to Louisville. Anybody that can match up to Jordan Wara. Dwayne Sutton out there making plays. I, I got to go with Louisville as well. Um, you know, it's, anytime there's a consensus, it makes me nervous. That's why the <laughs> hotels in Vegas have been built. Uh, Duke, Kansas is a pick em. This is obviously a Champions Classic playing in Madison Square Garden. Uh, 7 o'clock start tomorrow night. This is going to be on one of the TVs for sure. <clears throat> I'll go first. I think Kansas rolls in this game. and I think it, it's kind of a, a rude awakening for Duke and maybe some Duke fans. You know, uh, Devin Dotson, Trey Jones, I'll take Dotson. Uh, Yudoka Azubuki against Vernon Carey is going to be one of the best big man matchups of true back-to-the-basket big men we've seen in quite some time. Uh, it's going to be a pro-Duke crowd, I think, in the Garden. But uh, i, I got to go with the Jayhawks. Charlie, what do you think, buddy? I, I'm with you, Michael. I think I've, got, I've probably got Kansas as one of my Final Four teams if I mm -hmm. had to go out and pick them right now. I think they are that good. and It's it's not even really a slam. I mean, I've, I've been through my thoughts on Duke already, but picking Kansas, I don't even see as a, a slight on Duke, I think. I think they're just that good. Mm -hmm. I think Azabuki dominates. I don't know if Duke has. I mean, between uh, between Delorier, uh, shoot, Carey, and Delorier, Vernon, Carey, and Hurt. I don't know if anyone is going to stand between uh, between Doke and the basket on some of those little <laughs> those little post ups and pins they run. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Kansas takes it to them. Okay. Oh, man, I don't really want to make this a sweep, but did you say that it was being played in Madison Square Garden? That's correct. Man, that's basically like a home game for Duke, though. It really is, yeah. <laughs> so, I did have Kansas down because I like their experience, I like their depth, but now since I've sort of found out just then that they're being played in Madison Square Garden, and you guys have picked the same, I'm going to go with Duke. I like it. There it is. I like it. And there's no spread to pick against because it's a pick 'em. So you know all they got to do is win by a free throw. So you're good. Uh, uh, even better in a game that I probably will watch, but it'll be on one of the muted televisions. Uh, 
<laughs> Virginia Tech heads to Little John. Uh, Mike Young with his first ACC game in his first game as a Virginia Tech coach, which is he, he's got to be loving that situation. Thanks, ACC Network. Actually, they're not even on ACC Network. They're playing on ESPNU. So, um, 7 o'clock start, like I said, at Little John. Clemson just got Kayvon Moore healthy. All right, I'm not sorry, not healthy, eligible with a, with a, a waiver passed. Clemson's a five-point favorite at home, over/under of 132, which I I would be shocked if it went over, even with that low over/under. Um, Clemson, I guess you know, probably has the best three players on the floor, so I'm going to take the Tigers by five. By five, Jesus, yeah, at home by <laughs> five. Yeah, I'll take them. I'll take the five or lay the five, I should say. Okay. I literally, when when you told us the the games to pick, and I was looking through this, I I looked at all these rosters, and and I hate every single one of them, <laughs> and I took out a quarter out of my pocket, and I said heads Virginia Tech, tails Clemson, and it landed on heads. So I'm going with the Hokies. Wow. I I also think that Brad Brownell is a terrible coach, and he is on the last year of of how that seat has not exploded yet. It blows my mind, but I'm going with the Hokies. I think uh, I think it's going to be a great start for them, and also go with the under. Chimp, if you're listening, go with the under. <laughs> I. Brownell's Brownell's not going nowhere. He just signed two four star guys, so you know they they can bitch piss and moan all they want. But you know, in in, in all honesty, you got Kayvon Moore, Chase Hunter as a freshman this year, uh, Alamir Dawes as a freshman this year, PJ Hall next year, and the other kid that I don't know shit about that I need to watch some tape on. Um, another four star top seventy five eighty guy. They they're Brownell's actually done a pretty good job setting them up for the future, but. If he goes... Yeah, send him up for another coach to coach them, man. I'm telling you. (laughs) Yeah, but if he goes, you know, 4-16 and this year, there might be an uprising. It'll be interesting to see what Radakovich does. Charlie, who you got in this game of uh, basement uh, seekers? It might depend how football finishes. Hmm. But uh, how that that fan base is feeling about Brownell by the time February rolls around. Mm -hmm. But um, but now, Kinchin, you threw out one of the... One of the two reasons I'm going to disagree with you, Michael. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Hokies too. I talked myself into it in the time. Had a boy in here, but uh, Let's go Hokies. But now it's it's interesting to me because I mean, first and foremost, I just like Mike Young as a coach more than Brad Brownell for oh, all the reasons yeah. Kay laid out. The success he's had, he's had a Wofford so long. Certainly last year was an unbelievable year, but the other piece on the court that's more interesting to me is I feel like Clemson has all the front court ability in this game. Few of these teams really have the front court, but with, I mean, with Moore getting his waiver, Sims is going to be their best player this year. Max got some size. So Brandon Johnson and PJ Horn, some of those guys for the Hokies are really going to be put to the test on the board. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like, I like the Hokies guards. When you've got you got BD Wilkins and Nolly who practice with the team coming back and look on the other side and it's the freshman Dawes, transfer Scott and John Newman who played just a couple minutes a game last year. 
I think if if the Hokies miss shots, they're not going to get the rebounds, and I'm going to look like a fool. <laughs> but I like Wilkins and Nolly to knock enough down to beat the the 50 or so Clemson's going to put up. You know, you mentioned Newman. I think he's one of those three best players that I mentioned when I made my pick. He yeah, he played I do really like him well. To take a step forward. He played ahead. really well in their their gold winning team at the uh, university games. Um, he was actually better than anybody else on that team. He was better than Sims as well. So I, I look for Newman to possibly be the best player in that game. But then again, it's the World University Games. It's not, you know, it's not D one. Um, well, I think the most interesting thing that I'm ready to see is Jalen Cohn in this game. I just want to see, you know, it's hard to evaluate people and players on on YouTube because they make 100% of shots they take. To me, the kid looks quick as a hiccup, and I want to see what his game's all about. Plus, I've been pining for, you know, Freelander's Nolly for 14 months, and I'm finally going to get to see him play for the first time since I watched him and Nate Hinton play for Team Loaded North Carolina, so... Um, I, I would like to see Virginia Tech play well because Clemson is just a program that just bores the shit out of me. So, you know, if, if Virginia Tech comes out and smacks them around a little bit, I'm not, I'll take the loss. That's fine. Um, last game for tomorrow night, the late game, of course, because that's what I have to do to be a Georgia Tech fan is suffer endlessly. 8.30 start in Raleigh, Georgia Tech heading to NC State. State does not have Thunderbird. State does not have Blake Harris. Doesn't sound like Jake Hel- uh, Jericho Hellams is going to play. If he does, he might be gimped up a little bit. I actually saw this line at eight and a half when the lines came out earlier from uh, Bet Online, and on ESPN right now it's at seven. I let me check real quick. Let me check real quick because if it's at eight and a half. Well, I think I know which way I'm going anyway, and I'm a hopeless a hopeless fan. Um, with front court injuries, it's going to be hard for me to be on North Carolina State. Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Yeah, it's down to seven. It's fallen a point and a half in about yeah, because, three hours. Because everybody saw eight and a half, and yeah. they took Georgia Tech eight and a half. That's yeah. all that's weird. That, that's, a, that's a big jump, though. A point and a half in just a few hours. Somebody, you know, Georgia Tech fans, you know, are notorious for their gambling habits, but somebody hammered Georgia Tech. There's, there's some action on that. So, you know, you should always fade the public as a rule. In this case, I just, I, I can't see Manny Bates keeping James Banks off the boards. I can't see Manny Bates being effective on the offensive end against Banks. Pat Andre, yeah, I guess. Um, he can shoot it, but Patriot League to the ACC, first game. Georgia Tech is a dominant perimeter defense, or at least has been in years past. Uh, Danny Dixon, not someone that moves the needle for me. I mean, Markel Johnson is one of the best players in the conference, one of the best point guards in the country. I still love Devin Daniels as a player. C.J. Bryce can shoot a little bit. Again, G-Tech, notorious for, for guarding the perimeter. But Alvarado, DeVoe, Banks, I think Khalid Moore takes a step forward this year. I'm going to take Georgia Tech on the road to cover um, the seven. I'm not sure if they win it, but I think they cover. Okay, go ahead. Who you got for your boys? So, one of my big matchups tonight or tomorrow night is interesting to see Manny Bates versus James Banks. Mm-hmm. And I, I was pretty impressed with 
with Bates in the, in the exhibition, you know, but obviously this is the first time that he's played a single game in a Wolfpack uniform, and he's been healthy for the first time, in, well, quote-unquote healthy for the first time in two years because I think he got injured right right at the end of his high school year. That's correct. Yep. So, uh, but but he didn't. He got a lot of block shots, um, but a lot of those guys were you know half his size, so to be expected. But I think he's going to be a little bit better on the defensive end than you think. Uh, um, I think he's going to so be a really good, good defender. I, I have no questions about his defense, but I don't think he's going to be able to to score against Banks. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll agree with that. I, I think is uh, I think what what's going to happen is he's going to either you know get on the baseline and you know clean up one miss. Or if you, but he's, he's more going to be the rebounding and blocking, defending more than offense in this game. And Pat Andre, I do agree that because uh, he did not shoot well in the exhibition, I think it's going to be a little bit of a struggle because you know obviously the PNC is a lot bigger than Lehigh's gym, so <laughs> it's more of a mental thing. I, I'm sure. Um, I think this is also going to be a CJ Bryce game because one thing that Keats talked about was how C.J. Bryce came to him and was like, I want to play the four this year. Wow, wow, okay. And, hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, I want to play the four this year. And he's like, are you kidding me? I wouldn't have recruited you, or you wouldn't even have came to me if I, if I told you you were going to play the four. Because he kind of looked at how Torn Doran played last year. Yep. And C.J. Bryce thinks he can play that position. He, he had 20 points and 10 rebounds and about six or seven assists. He was flirting a little bit with a triple-double against Mount Holland. So could he take that, that tour-and-door role? Because I would have said it has been more Jericho Helms because of more size than scoring ability playing the four. But if C.J. Price plays that four, that's going to be pretty interesting from the offensive end. Uh, yeah. Defensively, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean... You know, we talk about Zion and Barrett being unicorns. Torn Dorn's also a unicorn in his own special way. I mean, he's all of six five, and he grabs that. You know, he grabs that four position with both hands and, and made it his bitch over the last couple of years. He's Dorn's a special kind of athlete, a special kind of player. I'm not sure Bryce has the same kind of motor as Dorn. Dorn was relentless on the court, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out if they do indeed play that way. Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be a close one just because based on what happened last year and just, you know, inconsistency in scoring, and I'm sure, you know, State will get in foul trouble somehow. So, But I think the Pack pulls it out and wins their first game of the season. Charlie? What you got, Charlie? You know, the one name we haven't talked about, and I'm a little surprised, but he always deserves to mention is Alvarado. Mm-hmm. And as the as the one true neutral sitting down to watch this game, I think I'm most excited just to watch him go up against Markel Johnson. Yes. Because that is going to be electric. And I think it's going to go a long way to – they're obviously going to go a long way to deciding the outcome of this game. But, um, but no, you raised the – there's a point about Manny Bates probably not probably defending all right, but not – probably not being able to score a ton over James Banks, which I agree with, but I don't necessarily think he's going to have to. Mm-hmm. I think defense is all you're looking for out of him today, and you've got you've got that loaded backcourt for state that they're going to be leaning on for points all year, and certainly when when Thunderbird comes back, he'll help there as well. But but um, I think even without 
I think even without Bates putting up more than maybe a couple of baskets, State has has more than enough at their at their disposal to be just fine. I think I'm going to take the Yellow Jackets, though, if only to be the contrarian. <laughs> wow. So, you really, uh, really teased him. Especially talking, talking <laughs> Bryce playing the four. Moses Wright is going to be is going to be a pretty solid test right off the bat to see whether he's whether he can handle that on both ends. And if he can't, and you've suddenly got the two of them going up against Bates, I think that's I think that's too much. I think Alvarado matches that is what Markel's bringing to the table, and this could be a really fun one. Yeah, if you got if you got Bates and Bryce going against Banks and Wright, I gotta take Banks and Wright every time. Now, if you got Funderburk and Helams going against Banks and Wright. That's that's kind of a different story. I, there's something about DJ Funderburk that just he's like the loud guy in the room, but I just can't stop watching him move around the room. You know what I mean? He just <laughs> he's just something that's that's polarizing about him that that I enjoy and <laughs> kind of a knucklehead move in the off season that got him into trouble. But hopefully, you know he gets he gets everything squared away because he's one of my favorite players to watch. Um, he's he's back. At do they play? Do they play again later this year? Uh, I they play home at home. Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. Because if they, they're not if they do year. see each other again in February, and you've got, and you've got, uh, yeah, that's that's another reason why yeah. I, I no, don't I think like this. And Helms being I, involved totally. I don't like totally this changes. this whole open the season with an ACC game. I think it's horseshit. I mean, I understand why they're doing it, but I'd rather see them play in December and January when they've. When every team is a cohesive unit, they've played with each other, they've played 10, 12 games together. This kick it off, and, you know, we're going to get, there's going to be some bad basketball tomorrow night. I mean, Virginia Tech Clemson could be 52 50. I mean, that's not outside the realm of possibilities. No. I would, I would say we would meet again in the ACC tournament, but one of those teams <laughs> is not going to be allowed in Greensboro. <laughs> I, 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 Michael, can you help me out there? Oh, no. Well, you're wrong, first of all, because <laughs> what what happened? Georgia Tech's currently appealing those sanctions. So while they're appealing those sanctions, they have somewhat a stay of execution. So as of right now, until the appeal is settled, Georgia Tech's still eligible for both the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Now, see, now you've you, t- you touched it off, so now you're going to have to listen. So <clears throat> what's going to happen is we. The Georgia Tech fan base kind of expected to hear about the appeal within like seven to ten days. There was supposed to be a quick turnaround on that. And what I think is might actually happen is because this team has probably the best opportunity to see a postseason for the first time since 2010 NCAA tournament, um, I think the NCAA might actually do the right thing and wait to make an appeal decision until after the season concludes. Now, that's not to say that they're not going to see a postseason ban at some point, but they may give the Jackets a stay of execution until next year where Banks is going to be gone. You know, they're still going to have Alvarado and DeVoe, so there's still a possibility there, but um, with a a lack of either experienced or high-end big man, Moses Wright would be the starting five next year, but he's not James Banks at this point in his career. So we're going to see how that goes. But I think... The Jackets, at the very least, are going to play in the ACC tournament this year. So, at least I'm hopeful. Uh, And to answer the question, January 25th, which I believe is going to be a Saturday, the Wolfpack head to McCamish to play the Jackets. Oh, nice. Nice, nice. 
I wonder who's going to be injured for that game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm, I, without a doubt, Alvarado will be injured because the poor guy, just he just plays, he just cares too much, and sometimes it gets him in trouble. Um, <clears throat> also, one guy we didn't talk about in this game, Bubba Parham, big-time score for VMI, put up 32 against Kentucky last year. So, and that was in Rupp. So, might be a name to uh, to pay attention to. If he can get hot off the bench, G-Tech might have something there. Um, I don't really, we've gone way long, longer than I anticipated. And I've still got to do the intro tonight. So, we're going to wrap it up. I told you guys that if you wanted to make any hot take, bold predictions, anything like that, I would give you the opportunity to do so. Do either one of you have one that you'd like to share? Uh, we haven't talked about Wake Forest at all tonight. Yeah, no. It's probably a good thing. Yeah. But my, one of my bold predictions is going, that I have not already said tonight, uh, is Brandon Childress sneaks into the first team all ACC at the end of the season. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? He's going to shoot Dude, like, he's going to shoot 36% from the floor. I mean, he's probably going to score 650 points, but. You know, they're going to go 2-18. and 18. Hey, He's going to shoot 36%, and he's going to make honorable mention. He's going to go Eric Green, Virginia Tech 2013 out there. I know and who Eric he got is. what? I know. He's going <laughs> to have that type of season, man. I, I know I make this reference every year about somebody, but that man got all-conference player of the year because of how terrible his team was and how great he was. Yeah. I just see that happening with Brandon Childers. I don't see Brandon Childers being that kind of player. Charlie, you got anything? Man, I'm sorry. I'm still uh, <laughs> – I love that kitchen. But uh, <laughs> if, if there's one thing that doesn't matter when you're looking at when you're looking at all-conference voting, it's, it's efficiency sometimes. If you're putting up numbers, you're putting up numbers. Yeah, that's possible. So, I mean, hey, hey go get it, Brandon. But uh, but no, I wish I, I wish I had this a little more thought out, and I, I almost feel bad saying it because I'm, I'm so hopeful for what, obviously hopeful every year for what uh, North Carolina, a lot of these teams can bring to the table when you're looking at the tournament. But kind of running, running top to bottom through all these questions for for all the teams that are going to be at the top of the league this year, it. It makes me want to put an over/under on how many ACC teams we're going to see in the Sweet Sixteen. Ooh, yeah, yeah. What do you got? Uh, so that, I don't know. Oh, you don't know. Are we you going didn't... to see? Are we, are, are we going to see? We're we going to see more than two. Oh, over, over all the way. Uh well, let's go. Let's go two and a half. Yeah, I was going to say I might. I might take under two and a half. Yes, I would take under two and a half. Okay, you're going over going two and a half? Over. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going over two and a half. We, I don't know what it is about the ACC, but there's always about two or three, maybe four teams that always make the Sweet 16. They don't necessarily always make the Final Four. But now, for reference, for everybody who's listening, last year there was five. There's five teams in the Sweet 16 from the ACC. So. Just saying. No, two years before that it was one. <laughs> yeah, my guy. All right. <laughs> Um, yeah, it'll hey, be, it'll be fun to see. That yeah. I mean, shoot, three, I'd love man. to see. It. I'd love to see it be six again. Yeah, me too. Was, me too. That was a whole lot of fun. That might be. That yeah. might be every ACC team that makes the tournament, though. 
because after seeing but the yeah, guys, no kidding. I'm not sure. You know, <laughs> I was yeah, telling. I might have to knock off a couple one and two seeds to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I was talking to uh, the guys at the Rockin' 25 today, and I've done this twice in about the past three weeks. So, Three Man Weave put out their preseason predictions and, and awards last Wednesday. Well, I've got a heavy podcast schedule that I try to get in every week, and I was listening to it today on the way into work. Well, Friday, I was watching the Notre Dame game, and I proudly proclaimed that due to the, the shitty way that Notre Dame looks on offense, that the ACC may only get six teams in, and that would be bad for the league and, and shocking to the rest of the country. And I thought I was making a very profound statement. And I listened to a three-man weave this morning, and one of Jim Root's uh, proclamations was that the ACC only gets six teams in. So he put out his two days before I put out mine, so now I'm sure that everybody on Twitter thinks I'm ripping off Jim Root, and I'm not, but who's going to believe me because nobody knows me because it's Twitter. So um, <clears throat> I think my bold prediction, and it's, it's, I don't think it's going to be as bold, I think Joey Baker transfers before the end of the first semester and Ooh. and and goes to a program where he can succeed. I mean, this is a kid, a uh, five-star kid in high school, reclassified to go to Duke a year early, gets to Duke in red shirts, which I'm sure was the plan. I, I, I'm not sure what his thought process or his family's process was behind that move, but reclassifies, goes to Duke a year early, takes a red shirt, burns the red shirt, um, plays, what, 24 minutes over four games, something like that. Um, didn't play much or at all the rest of the season. Comes into this year, they can't shoot the ball again, yet he's still not playing. That seems to be his forte. If they go through the first few games and, and Cassius Stanley and, and Alex O'Connell are seeing you know, a lot of the time on the wing alongside Wendell Moore, uh, you got to think about leaving if if you want a professional if you have professional aspirations and I think I think my bold take is going to be that Joey Baker ends up somewhere else. All right, guys, <clears throat> I thank you for joining me. I know we went long. Usually we try to keep it to around forty five minutes. We got a buck ten, and I still got to do the intro. So for Kinchin Taylor, for uh, Charlie Monolakis, we are the ACC crew along with the Chimp and resident bracketologist Jonathan Warner. Come visit us at accbasketballreport.com if you have any questions, concerns, or we want to do a mailbag issue, accbasketballreport at gmail.com. Guys, I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to us or get together this this evening, and uh, maybe we'll talk again soon after we see how this first round of games hashes out. Yeah, thanks again, Michael. Looking forward to it. Yeah, fun as always, guys. All right, guys. Take it easy.